Hello and welcome to Rule of Carnage. Uh, this is a series of conversations on the topic of designing better miniature games. Uh, my name is Mike Hutchinson. I have designed uh, such miniature games as Gaslands and A Billion Suns and the recently kickstarted Hobgoblin. Um, Glenn, ha is, uh, Glenn Ford is also a games designer and he has designed uh, many fine games. Indeed, he has some miniature games on their way to uh, production as we speak. Um, he, of course, worked with uh, together with me on uh, Gaslands and A Billion Suns and other things. Um, the uh, topic that I would like to discuss, because it came up in a it came up in a random thought bubble uh, in a previous episode, and then we got chewing on it a little bit in the Discord, was um, the feeling of eek halfway through my game design process something seems to be changing is this something i should resist against or is this something that i should just go with the flow on and specifically we talked initially about like when i'm designing a game should i change the theme when i realize that this is maybe a better cowboy game than it was a you know barroom brawl game but i think that also and perhaps more realistically based on the examples i've got from my own work like when is a game that you thought was one kind of game allowed to mutate into a different kind of game, which might be a better expression of what you had as an idea initially? Um, and then I think the third thing that we can also tickle the underbelly of is, what if you have a wonderful game mechanical idea and it ends up just not being a spaceship mechanic and you have to go and use it somewhere else? Um, so should we do a couple of should we do a couple of examples and use those as springboards? Sure. Um, so I think um, I'd, I'd say quickly as a sort of an overarching idea, I, mm. I feel like there's sort of three parts to this thing. And it's like, it's interesting you said theme there, because we do have a video about. Ah, yeah, I meant yeah. <laughs> theme and setting of the same. Yeah, because and I do think it's thing. I think there is the idea you know the theme the big thing for your game and, and that might be the that might be the thing that can't change and it can be the setting it can be a, a mechanic it can be something else entirely it can be like i want to make people laugh halfway through the game i want to make it feel like this is a gunfight i want to make somebody afraid i want to recreate a certain movie i want to make a mechanic with string work whatever it happens to be that's the idea and my my personal opinion is you you can't you can't move away from that everything else and the main two things that you you know you you might want to fudge around with are the mechanics and the setting and i i feel like those things can change because i think that a lot of the time i think that game design is more of a process of discovery than you might suspect Mm. that you've got an in, like you say you've got an interesting mechanic and you start twiddling with it you think oh this is going to be a spacecraft thing and you go Oh, just a minute, just a minute, just a minute. It's a boat. It's not a spacecraft or mm. it's a guy ice skating. But yeah, I mean, we, we can sort of reference some examples from our own design. I think you were saying before we came on that um, in, in relation to uh, A Billion Suns. That yeah, definitely. Much. So like A Billion Suns, like it came out, It like I watched some of the new, the newer Star Wars movies whenever it was, like Rogue One and, and the one that, the mainline story around the same time and i was deeply inspired by the cinematography of the starship fight of the of the like massive spaceship fights and i bloody love spaceship fights and i've loved them in cinema forever and i've played lots of games with them in and 
the most recent game I'd been playing was Star Wars Armada, which just hadn't tickled my like it hadn't it hadn't clicked for me. It didn't do the things that I wanted spaceships to do. Um, and I was looking around and I was thinking, do you know what? There's not that many modern spaceship games that have been recently released. Um, and this looks like an interesting spot. And so I pitched it to Offspray with a, a really a shell of an idea. Um, but it was an idea that contained the combat system, which survived till the very last. Like, I thought the most interesting thing about this is um, how big ships and small ships, big guns and small guns all interact in really interesting ways. And that's cool. And that survived till the end. But it wasn't actually the idea. The idea was that that image that I've talked about a bunch of times where there's a Corvette trying to escape. And it's got a clear run out of the out of the planet's orbit, and then a star destroyer just like warps in right next to it, and it smashes into it and, and crashes. And like, there's no game that can do that. And so, the game mechanics that I was developing had to encounter that. But genuinely, at the beginning of the game divine process, I thought I was making a battlefleet gothic, you know, Star Wars Armada, rack 'em up crash them in the middle i've just got a really cool resolution system mm. and as i tried to figure out how to make that central image work that's how we got to the teleporting in ships and the buying in ships and the buying in ships led to the the victory points being a currency and the weirdness of that led to uh, the multiple tables and so i guess at some point i had to decide am i heading off with a game idea that is in service of that central image or am i and am I okay with this abandoning the sort of battleships in space thing? Or am I going to have to say, no, no, the, the kind of game that I was trying to deliver was a was a, a more normal racket up, fight it out game. And, and it was an interesting game design question that I didn't necessarily, I still don't have the maturity to know like what the right answer is. And I know it's a difficult decision because lots of people still bounce off the game going, well, this isn't a like this says it's a starship battles game and it just isn't what the hell offspray yeah and i think the thing the thing that i think that was interesting was that and we had this conversation a few times in the in the middle of development is that for it to be the rack em up and, and and fight spaceship game the the combat resolution system itself needed to have more of a crunchiness in the relationship, I think, between, you know, angles and firing angles and manoeuvring and all those sorts of things. And you fundamentally didn't, you wanted the at the manoeuvring particularly to be very abstract mm. and the shooting to be quite abstract. It's like, okay, I don't, I couldn't see, and I don't know that there is a way to squeeze enough, like, juice out of very abstract movement, very abstract shooting, the resolution system, and a pitch battle game. And I think one of the things that was interesting about that was, you know, you were interested in this idea of like ships jumping right into the battle. And, and that's where jump shock, shock is still sort of hanging around as a physical resolution of that idea. Mm. And what it ended up being is like, well, why is it interesting like that the, the Empire can jump this, you know, Star Destroyer or whatever it is right into the middle of the battle and dump it yeah. all there? And it's like, well, it's interesting because the Empire has a presence off of this battlefield of a certain size and a certain weight and a certain power and that gives like a weight to the relationship of what life is like being a rebel corvette and trying mm. you know escaping a, a battlefield or a combat zone that, that is relevant and interesting and the only way of making that happen is to ex make the game itself more epic turning into a space opera 
on the tabletop, have relationships off the table. And so Billion Sons became sort of the, the thing that it ended up being. Um, yeah, and I, I, yes, and it was a difficult decision moment where, like, am I changing? Am I changing? And I think I might be using the word theme more correctly here. Am I changing the theme of A Billion Sons in the middle of it from a battle game to, you know, this more space opera-y type theme? And then the the other one that I've been working on more recently is, and I'll just ramble for a little minute here because there's a couple of kinds of twist in the work in a Pacific Command. So Pacific Command has had a, a, a similarly rocky development cycle in that Pacific Command started as a weekend sort of game hack where I took a billion suns and I turned it into a World War II naval game. And it was fine. And we played it once and you were totally disinterested by it for good reason. Like it did the thing, but it was just an utterly perfunctory naval war game. <clears throat> and so I kind of, I took a, a deep look at what was exciting to me about the potential for making like a World War II um, naval game. And, you know, my, 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 my mind first went to sub hunting which is its own sort of fog of war niche. But then I, I sort of became more and more interested by the fog of war that is like, you don't have radar and you don't really know where the enemy ships are. And the, the most extreme example of that, the most like narratively over dramatic and overblown is the Pacific conflict. And so then I realized, okay, well, I'm definitely making a game about boats, but they're more about, it's more about the fog of war than anything else. And I know that I want, to solve them because i think early on you were like oh, you know it's really hard to solve double blind problems yeah. so you know good luck with that and i was like right okay right <laughs> and so solving double blind and doing a fog of war system became like everything has to be in service of that and so the game sort of sharply veered and then it became even more bizarre because um in in trying to design the system the only way that I could truly get my hands around the, the design problem was to temporarily like bamboozle myself and rewire myself into saying, okay, I am designing a stealth mech game where we're on a battlefield. All of the mechs have got advanced jamming systems. Like, you know, the, the high-tech super radar doesn't work. How would these mechs behave and how would they shoot each other? And in order to get the combat system working, I had to think as if, you know, a group of like 16 destroyers with three carriers and a battleship was like a single fighting engine. And so I actually started writing a mech game in order to sort of explore that and, and then bring the learnings back to Pacific Command. So it's not that Pacific Command changed its theme into a mech game, like it didn't change its setting and its sort of chrome, but like under the hood, something bizarre happened and although it's still extremely informed by all the you know research that i'm doing into the into the history of the period at, at its heart it's like a it's like a stealth mech game i think if there is a sort of game design lesson there is that sometimes the thing you think is interesting you about the thing that you think your game is actually turns out to not be the thing that you think is interesting you like like that you're saying like you're interested in you know uh fleet battles at sea and you thought it was this thing to do with like big battleships i mean i, I remember well no i think it, i think more clearly actually stated it is 
I thought the interesting thing was, wouldn't it be interesting to re-theme A Billion Suns and get some further gameplay out of it? And then I discovered in trying to do that, that no, actually that wasn't as interesting to me as something else. And so maybe for me, actually, maybe this is an example where the idea actually mutated and I found a better idea and I threw the old idea away completely. And then I was like, oh no, now I have the idea. Like I, I was sort of, I maybe I was on the journey to something, but I was only tantalizingly sort of smelling it. And then I found it and I was like, oh yeah, wow. Like stealth mech game, amazing. Yeah, you you got contracted to write a fleet battle naval game. Found out the first idea you had was terrible, and came up with something that that uh, would be a good game. That's right. Although, like, one of the things that gives me boldness here is that, um, like, Warlord Games are like they already print the rulebook for Victory at Sea. Mm. So, if I was to deliver a Victory at Sea clone, like. It's not only a waste of my time, it's also kind of like uncool for, for Warlord. Like I'm not, I don't want to play in their paddling pool because they've already got a game, they're selling miniatures for, they've got a business, they've got employees, got pensions to pay. Um, but like that gives me design space, which is not victory at sea. And you know what? There's loads of design space in not victory at sea. And I think it's like relating back to our previous conversation about, you know, does the world <clears throat> need your game and that moment of going like just a minute this exists and a right. really good version of this exists i'd best do something entirely different then right um, and so I, that's i think to link that back to like holding yourself to a higher standard in an earlier video as well like i, I got to that point i was like does the world need this game no I, I want to do better than this i like i feel like there is a better game there's more interesting novel challenges to attack with this and so I guess the last point I want to make on this is for me, like changing the theme of A Billion Suns or even reusing some of the mechanical ideas from Pacific Command to create a different kind of battle game in a, in a you know, in a science fiction universe, for example. Like these are things that during the development and long after I get really interested by. But I don't think they can ever truly distract me from like wanting to make the idea that I've got in my head work. Um, and I suppose, like you were saying, if the idea is, well, I want to solve a particular design challenge or I want to deliver a kind of emotional hit or a kind of cinematic hit, then I think it's, it is definitely feasible to say, wait, I thought this was a science fiction game, but actually it's like a modern game or, you know, some, some drift. I think, it, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I haven't had an example of something that like completely mutates its setting in I mean, such a strong way but I, I don't know why it isn't I, I i have a i have a game like you know sitting in the background somewhere um which i wrote originally to be so so a guy i knew was giving up his uh friendly local gaming store business mm. uh to print a, a skirmish game of his own like in his retirement and he decided to make it a um a, a hammer horror sort of themed game and I looked at it and, you know, and this is before I started sort of seriously looking into game design and it, it was garbage, not in a horrible way. It was just like, oh, this is fine, but it's a normal skirmish game and someone's put on a Dracula hat and like, oh, I'm Dracula. And I was like, OK, well, you know, if I was going to, and just to, for my own amusement, if I was going to make a Hammer Horror game, you know, what would I want to do? And it's like, OK, well, 
the thing about Hammer Horror is, why doesn't Dracula fly in like in the first five minutes and pull off Van Helsing's head? Because Van Helsing needs prep time. He's Batman. Dracula doesn't. You know, right. Well, there we go. Movie over in five minutes. Um, I developed this system uh, where like you you have to build up and everybody has to build up their powers, and it's the same. In, in in turn, it's like, why is it always the last human in the horror film who ends up killing the bad guy? It's always mm. the last girl, you know, it's always the last survivor. And it's like, okay, well, the reason for that is that humans build up their power points by dying. And whoever the last person is who is alive, they're going to be awesome, whoever they happen to be. Ideally, you'd like it to be Van Helsing because he's got some juice to, like, power this stuff out. But if it's the blacksmith, you, you know, he's going to be okay. And the reason that Dracula doesn't just fly in is that he needs his underlings to like start pulling up power, but they have to throw it back to Dracula because he's their boss. And so they have a more hierarchical thing. And okay, well, this explains why the plot of those sorts of movies happen. And I thought, you know, I watching an anime the other day and the guy in the anime is just getting battered, absolutely beaten, destroyed. And then just before he's about to be destroyed, he does his like uber thing and completely obliterates the other guy. The guy is just dusted instantaneously. It's like, well, why don't you just walk in on, like, step one and go, Brink! there we go, that was an easy job, and go away again. You can't do that. You've got to wait until you've been absolutely, yeah, you're not cross enough. you know, almost killed, you know, and it's, and it's also when Hulk Hogan hulks up, why does he not hulk up in the dressing room and then destroy everybody in the wrestling ring? Because that's not narratively interesting. But why would you not do it in a game if you had that capacity? And it's like having built that system, it's like, oh, right. Well, this works for a whole bunch of things because a whole bunch of movies do this same like, well, the reason he didn't do it because it was narratively not interesting for him to do it. Well, I can't do that. I need to explain it. And that's like a system I built for a very, very specific narrative reason. That's like, all oh, right, this kind of works for everything now. I could retheme this in like 20 different ways. Mm. Um, and it's not because it wasn't designed very narratively, but it's because movies and cinema use the same tropes like over and over and over. Mm. Um, and I think just to sort of um, finish out and possibly get close to finishing out on a thing I think is an interesting idea is like we've talked before on the on the channel about a game called um, Skulljacker that mm. I unceremoniously killed for Mike um, and one of the ideas that was in Skulljacker dropped a psychic nuke on it <laughs> it's psychologically ruined it. you could go back and watch the uh, watch the post-mortem that we did on this channel yeah some, some um, years ago and the thing about Skulljacker that I that I most like want to go back to is there's mm. the idea that there was like a crowd control thing where your operatives are moving through like occupied cities doing like black ops stuff and like the crowds would react to you firing a gun and then we were like okay can I fire a gun like into the pavement to like shove the crowds over to that guy and oh that's interesting and mm. we never really got to that and since then a few times I've sort of said okay well that's like I don't know Bond or Born Supremacy or something like that, where the secret agent is trying to get for a train station, and he and like it, or if, if you get the people to get in his way or you clear the crowd, so he's the only guy. Let, you know, it's like if you fire a gun in the crowd and all the normal civilians run, and he's standing there like, "Why well, not running? Because I'm not afraid of guns." It's like, well, that's a bit of a giveaway. Does he have to go with the crowds? You know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, at the time. 
uh, we discussed like a retheme for Assassin's Creed mm. 2, I think, with the one in Italy where it's like you can hug crowds and you can use the crowds as like you can sort of silverfish along with them and then jump out to do an assassinate. And like mechanically, mechanically, like the idea of like four sort of cyberpunk agents hiding in a, in a futuristic city or born in a modern day train station or like, yeah, they're all... Um, and they're I think all using the same mechanical idea for the same thematic and narrative purpose. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting thing because that that mechanic was quite a peripheral mechanic. It was kind of like a scaffolding thing around this this other game that was Skulljacker, and it's sort of like well, that wasn't that wasn't a scaffold. That's kind of that's a spine of a game. That that's mm-hmm. a central thing of a game. And figuring out which of the sometimes you think a thing is like the spine and you realize that like this is the game and that's that you can just take that off. It was scaffolding all along. And sometimes the thing that you think is just holding up the real game is the real game. And like trying to identify that and knowing what to go in service of again i think it's the thing that we're, where it's really important to have a good strong like design document or design idea that lays out what the ideas are i mean i think and in reference to one of the things we said before like you know design for yourself or i design for myself is that i think sometimes that like designing for a constituency of one it's very easy to to lose sight of the the idea the thing because you keep putting in things you like and the thing is it's like i've mentioned this analogy before once or twice i like chocolate cake and i like steak therefore a meal that i like doesn't have everything that i like to eat in it because i don't want gravy and chocolate sauce in the same mouthful you know a game a (laughs) well-designed game is one thing you know it's not a hundred things yeah yeah yeah, a hundred percent it's going to be a hundred good things. And, and and that's not the same as it being one good thing. The, the um, other thing about designing for one is that um, when you show it to another human and they go, oh, yeah, 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 I like this. You should, you know, put more chocolate sauce on this. You'd be like, no, this is a steak dinner. The chocolate sauce is not good for it. So like when when I'm showing a design in an early playtest and people start throwing ideas at me, like, that's actually a really exciting moment where I first test my like design armor and be like, oh crap, I don't know if your idea makes sense or not because I actually don't know what the game's about yet. That's a problem versus like, ah oh, yeah, I can confidently sort of thank you for that idea and throw it away or like welcome it with open arms and say, yes, that's exactly the sort of thing that I want to think more about. Um, and that's interesting because it's like that's such a hard thing to do and i think we were so lucky that the first sort of big thing you know was gaslands because it it came in with its own like personality to such a degree that it was relatively easy to find i think the first thing i think yeah i just i i I instinctively or i rather unconsciously had a very clear vision for what that game should feel like on the table uh, I can't tell you exactly like what the roots of that feeling were, but like they go very, very deep back into my childhood. So I'm very confident and firm about them. Whereas with a billion sons, like I just, I because I think partly because it was my second album, and partly because it was a more complicated idea, it was a more novel idea. Like it just took me a long time to figure that one out. Um, and I think that. I think that I was just lucky with Gaslands in that regard and sort of Skulljacker kind of proves that because I didn't actually have the maturity to really 
identify in Gaslands what about the core premise I was shooting for. And with Skulljacker, I just threw a bunch of things together. And when you came and like put a load of other stuff on top of it, I was like, I'm lost. I just don't know which is the, I don't know where the idea is anymore because I didn't know what it was uh, strongly enough at first. Yeah. So, I mean, to, to sort of wrap up on this, um, a good strong design document is very a very good idea. I think particularly if you're like a lone designer, because um, mm. it can be something you can refer back to and you can hang in big letters on the wall and go and tell you again what it was meant to be. Um, I think should you change your setting and mechanics halfway through a game? I think yeah, sure. Oh, um, mechanics, yeah. Like I've yeah. changed my mechanics like a dozen times a week. During you know, how, however central you think they are, they are in service of whatever the idea the idea is. Mm. You know, figure out what the idea is, and you know, if something, even if you love a mechanic or love a setting, and it's not in service of the idea dump it just bin it off write it down somewhere it could work for something else but it's wrong for this thing not every good thing in your jason Bourne game exactly absolutely um yeah and you know if the idea does have to mutate maybe you you weren't clear on it then it can happen i think you know save the document before you um mutate it and move on to another version and and be ready to go back if it need if needs be and talk to other people you know sometimes they have a better idea of what your game actually is than you and let your game try and tell you what it is sometimes sometimes it is a process of discovery rather than a process of like engineering and manufacture oh, i've got another example actually before you go <laughs> okay. i wrote a uh, we were playing Man of War, so I thought, oh, I wonder if I can write a Age of Sail game using Gaslands templates. And then I uh, had some plastic tanks on my desk, and so I drilled a hole, put a cocktail stick, and made some uh, made some sails for some tanks. And thus, the unreleased uh, Gaslands spin-off Rad Pirates of the Toxic <laughs> Sea was born, which we'll see the light of day at some point, but... Uh, the wind mechanic is really good. <laughs> if you would like to see Rad Pirates of the Toxic Sea released as a whole game, please go down to the comments section, explain to us why and what you think the wind mechanic is. And join my Patreon. That's that's <laughs> not going to just happen. Actually, um, if, um, if you're watching this channel, it's a good chance you're designing your own game. There's a good chance that it's become something you thought it wasn't or you had to drop something or kill one of your darlings um, in its development. Tell us that story in the comment section um, while you're down there. Hit likes and subscribes like a, like a mad person. And then swing by the Discord. The, the, this conversation was partly off of a, a chat we are having in the Discord about this idea that, that somebody in the Discord is experiencing th this sort of process at the moment. So you're not alone if this is happening to you. Come by. There's a whole group of people who've had it happen to them multiple times, and in some mm. cases over a, a, a range of years. Um, but for now, I think this is going to be a thank you and goodbye for this episode of Rule of Carnage. So... I'll say thank you and goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.